Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. And welcome into another edition of Gamecock Central Radio Podcast. I'm Wes Mitchell, alongside Chris Clark, talking Gamecocks football, fall, preseason practice. Uh, Chris, as we got um, sort of our first true look at this team. I, I mean, I know we get the 15 minutes uh, various times as far as media goes for some of the practices, but, you know, first true look at this team as far as a full practice goes uh, there at williams Bryce Stadium. Um uh, Ended up being a beautiful night, great weather, uh, thought it was well handled, uh, had maybe, I don't know, a couple thousand people out there, so it was a good night, good opportunity for us to get out there and, and see these guys, um, and, and Chris, I, I think, obviously, not always easy to take a lot from, you know, just uh, one practice, an open practice, but I, I thought one thing that always has stood out to me watching these must-champ practices, dude, has just been... Um, the pace in which everything sort of has to operate. Um, there's very little standing around. You know, I, I made the comment while we were watching that, you know, you have to be in phenomenal shape just to make it through one of these practices. So, uh, you know, obviously every coaching staff has their, their different structures, but uh, I think that's that's one thing that's kind of interesting to me is after watching just multiple years of Spurrier practices is even – the structure of these must-champ practices is different. Um, you know, it seemed like in a Spurrier practice, you sort of start with one-on-ones, and then you build up to seven-on-seven pass scale. Then you move on to eleven-on-eleven. Whereas must-champs practices, it's kind of like uh, there's position drills. Then you mix in some eleven-on-eleven. Then there's some special teams. Then you go back to eleven-on-eleven. There's some cock drill thrown in there, which is their Oklahoma drill, and then it's back to eleven-on-eleven. So um, it, it seems like the focus of all these must-champ practices is ultimately sort of true football, and then they mix in all the other drills sort of throughout. I feel like. Yeah, it's almost disorienting, and from what we know about Coach Muschamp, I think that's probably by design. You know, like you said, I mean. I know you turned to me after practice last night, man, said, God, you, you got to be in shape, you know, to go through one of these practices, even just one of them. And so, you know, it, it, camp is a tough deal for these players. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a deal where they're tired, you know, at the end of it. And then, you know, they do get some time off and then they get to a situation where they're preparing for NC state or whatever opponent they've got coming up, you know, they'll be preparing week to week, but um, it, it is all over the place. And, you know, the reason that they structure it that way is just to, you know, I've heard multiple people say it, whether it's Jeff Dillman, I think Muschamp said it, some players, they say that, you know, if you, if you practice that hard and you prepare that hard, it makes the games easy. Now, fans don't need to 
you know, take that and run with it and say, okay, well, they should win every game because they, you know, if it's if it's supposed to be that easy, it just means that, you know, you're prepared for the game. You're prepared for that grind of a football game um, if, if you're able to go through practices that are at intense. So, you know, when you're running from station to station, when you're jumping from an 11 on 11 period where they piped in crowd noise and it's probably louder than an actual stadium, you know, with 80,000 people in there. And you jump from that to, okay, now you got to go to a positional drill and focus. I mean, it really sort of, um, I think, helps the players focus. I think it helps them ad- adopt that mentality where they're running, really having to strain, you know, mentally and physically. And it sort of, I think, can have the effect of hardening them up and, and, and getting them sort of tougher for what they're going to face throughout the season. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, you know, I thought, Chris, that uh, other than that, just – um, even the, the tempo in which they're running plays. You know, I, I know tempo is something this team can do, but I, I don't foresee this being a tempo offense, so to speak, and, and what you think of is like hurry up, no huddle, stuff like that. But it feels to me like tempo is still very much a part of these practices just because, um, A, it, it's really the only true way to get your defense prepared for something like that and South Carolina will face a lot of tempo teams this year, obviously. And then B, um, that just from a, an efficiency standpoint allows you to get more reps. So, if you know, the more reps you get, the more opportunities you get, um, and, and that allows you to get more out of that sort of two-plus-hour window of, of time that you got there. So I, I always thought that was interesting, just how much tempo they use in practice, whereas in the games this isn't necessarily um, – based on everything I've been told, going to be like a, you know, a hurry up sort of, you know, Oregon, Auburn, those guys that you think of, of like the hurry up, no huddle offense based attacks and stuff like that. Um, But sort of in that same light, I will say that these skill guys that we've sort of been talking up, um, mostly based on what we've been hearing more than what we've been able to actually see with our own eyes, um, you know, Obviously, everybody knows about Debo Samuel, knows about Brian Edwards, knows about Hayden Hurst, but you go to that next level of guys behind them, Chris, and I think those guys, to me, absolutely just lived up to what I expected. You know, we've been hearing all these good things about them, and then you actually see them out there with your own eyes. They they looked about what I thought they would look like, maybe even a little bit better in some aspects. Yeah, I think a little bit better. You know, I was thinking about that last night where – I really liked all three of the guys that they signed in 2017, of course, being, you know, Ortre Smith, Shai Smith, Chad Terrell out of Georgia, um, and and had high expectations for them. Um, that said, I, I didn't know that Shai Smith would, would be a guy who's in line to, to start in the slot against NC State when they go three wide. And Ortre Smith uh, really had – he had a couple head-turning catches um, in the, in the scrimmage-type situations last night. And Chad Terrell's been – very solid as well and has come on towards the end of camp to where you know he could potentially be a guy to help out too I mean took some second team reps last night along with or Trey Smith and so uh, I, I think those guys have lived up to expectations and more I mean Brian McClendon's obviously done a good job not only recruiting them and getting them to South Carolina but um, and helping develop them as well or Trey's been on campus since spring you know and the other two enrolled during the summer and, and that's a quick learning curve but but they're in position uh, to help some. And and the interesting thing is that each of them have a different skill set. It's not like South Carolina signed two or three of the same guy. They're all 
actually really different players and all bring something different to the table, but they have a lot of those attributes that McClendon talks about. And that is, you know, the ability to make contested catches, the ability to get open. And some guys are going to be different. I mean, Shy is, is more of the speed downfield threat guy, but Ortray Smith can get vertical. Chad Terrell does a really good job, you know, tracking the ball downfield. He's a savvy player. So they all have something different that they bring to the field. And, and I think that that's what makes them all intriguing guys as freshmen. Yeah, I thought Ortray, and it's something else I've heard, but we, we saw it play out. I, I thought Ortray Smith uh, has has sort of got to that point where he looks very, very comfortable using his body to sort of uh, shield off defenders and, and go make sort of plays that you have to have really good ball skills and really good concentration to make. And, you, you know, that that's something that I, I've heard McClendon talk about as well is that you want a guy who is open – even when he's covered, and, and that's you know basically where your quarterback has that uh, not only capability but trust to be able to throw the football. Even if there's not much separation, you trust that your guy's going to go get it. And I, you know, there there was a one play where Ortre Smith went down and and sort of plucked one off the ground, and there was another play that was kind of uh, I guess you'd maybe call it a back shoulder type throw down the sideline that, um. You know, I I think your comment was uh, he he caught that, uh, which uh, you know I I, I think that uh, you know when you you start seeing these guys make plays like that, it, it's a to me that's a sure sign they're starting to get comfortable. And I I'm curious, Chris, to see how this rotation plays out. Like we we know who those main guys are going to be. You know, Shy Smith's already sort of uh, pushed his way into that slot spot, uh, which has obviously been. Uh, that that window was a little bit more open with Randrikas Davis still dealing with injuries. He he's still a guy that's kind of the forgotten guy right now. But if he can get healthy, uh, you know, Randrikas Davis gives you another option in there as the year goes on. Um, you know, th- this this group I think ha- has the capability to have some depth as the season goes on. Then you start talking about getting the tight ends in the mix. Casey Crosby's always sort of an undervalued guy, I think. Uh, did good things last year in the slot um, as we get to tight ends. And, uh, you know, Kill Pollard showed us a lot in the spring. And, and man, I, I know you and I were both sitting there looking at Evan Henson going, okay, th- you know, this guy, <laughs> I, th- I think your comment was, you know, that that's the fifth string tight end right there. And, you know, you're sitting here watching Evan Henson, and you're like, you know, any other time we're probably talking about Evan Henson as being – oh, this is the guy that's going to break out as a redshirt freshman um, just based on athletic ability. And I, you know, I'm watching this guy burst for his size, just uh, the explosiveness, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's crazy. It, it's off the charts, and I, I think that Evan Henson's a guy that not only has a bright future, but those are the type of guys that I think probably help your special teams a lot when you talk about, um, you know, special teams coverage and guys that can run and get down there, played some defense in high school, um, so he's comfortable doing some stuff like that. Um, I, I think those guys sort of not only provide depth on offense, Chris, but they they help you sort of upgrade your, your entire team speed and athleticism, I think. Yeah, and Muschamp pegged, you know, uh, Evan Henson as a guy who was going to help them out on special teams. And, um, you know, when he was asked about him at one point this preseason, he said, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with the tight end rotation. And that's the thing. I mean, you got Hurst and Crosby and two established guys. And then Jacob August played plenty last year and play this year. And, you know, then you got Pollard and Henson and Kyle Markway coming back too. And you're right. The tight end, th- those are your body types who, 
you know, guys who are big like that have the capability to be physical and can run are really types that can help you on special teams. So I think we'll see Henson and Markway and, and Pollard, some of those guys who maybe aren't pulling down as many snaps as, you know, the number one or number two tight end in this offense could do that. But, yeah, Henson definitely – I mean, he flashed last night. Kill Pollard flashed, I thought. Both those guys are, are pass-catching threats. You know, Henson, a couple plays that stood out, you know, is the one where you – you know, we, we talked about him afterwards where he just sort of burst down the sideline. Go, who is that? You know, and, and another one where he just went right up the seam and plucked a ball out of the air that looked like it was overthrown by a couple yards, and he was just able to pluck it out of the air. So, um, you know, just intriguing physical tools, and, and I think he's someone to sort of not forget about for this season because he'll, he'll still be in there to a degree. Uh, but he's someone that you can, I think, file away for the future uh, for sure. Yeah, and I, I think, Chris, that uh, just like you said with the receiver group of, of freshmen, how they're different guys, you know, different type players, different skill sets, to me that's the interesting thing about this tight end group is that you actually kind of have uh, guys that have multiple skill sets. Maybe, maybe within a game, based on a matchup or something you like versus an opponent – uh, or something you don't like versus an opponent as far as a matchup goes, you maybe can use those guys in different ways. And and it's, it's kind of interesting that you even have, I feel like Hayden Hurst kind of has a a natural backup from a skill set standpoint. It's sort of Evan Henson. He's like the taller, athletic guy. Uh, and I think Casey Crosby is very, very similar to Keel Pollard. Um, and then, you know, you have two of your more – maybe blocking-oriented tight ends at Jacob August and uh, Kyle Markway, who I, I think uh, will, will probably be one of those guys that's never – Markway's probably a guy that's never mentioned by the fans, um, but maybe has a place on this team in certain downs and distances. Maybe your third and shorts, fourth and shorts. It's the guy who's a hard-nosed kid, uh, good blocker. I think there's a place for that on every team, especially when Will Muschamp is your coach and you're preaching physicality. He, he's going to find a, a spot to get those guys on the field, even if it's just very specific situations. Um, I think talking special teams, though, is a perfect segue, Chris, as we uh, sort of talk some other special team spots. I, I thought at the end of practice uh, was interesting how they handled the place-kicking you had Coleman Hutzler, the special teams coordinator. He's out there. He's got a, a water bottle just, you know, shooting water everywhere. He's yelling. He's jumping around. Uh, the entire team um, is surrounding Alex Wozniak and Parker White, who are sort of battling for that kicker job. And they're basically, and it's not a surprise, but it was interesting to see it play out. They're doing everything they can to put some pressure on these guys, Chris, because uh, neither – you know, Wozniak nor White have kicked in front of 70,000, 80,000 people. So uh, they're, they're doing all they can, and I, I think it's kind of a thing of you may not be able to put 70,000 eyeballs on them, but you can sure put some peer pressure on them by their entire team sort of surrounding them after practice. So uh, I, think, um, I think that's something that as these next week and a half – you know, sort of plays out that is going to be something to watch is, is who ultimately takes that first kick. Um, and, and that may be a job, Chris, that that there's a winner, but 
depending on how they perform, obviously, uh, we could see both Wozniak and White, I think, in the game at, at various times this season. Yeah, because White can, can factor in as a kickoff guy, too, um, you know, even if he didn't win the place-kicking job. I mean, because he's got a strong leg. He's a big guy. That's the thing is with all these kickers and, and the punter, um, Joe, Joseph Charlton, now Michael Allman, you know, is still in the mix too, but we've heard more and seen more from Charlton lately. All those guys have the leg. I mean, there, there's there's not much doubt in terms of the, the leg strength. We've seen Wozniak and Parker White hit long field goals. We've heard about them hitting long field goals, and we've seen Charlton and his ability to boom some punts when he gets a hold of one. But the, the two main concerns would be this. That's, you know, consistency. Uh, we've still seen and heard of um, some inconsistencies of that. And then, as you pointed out, the inexperience factor. I mean, uh, you know, none of these guys have done it in a game situation, and especially they haven't done it. It's more magnified by the fact that even if they had done it, you know, have they done it in a pressure-packed on-the-road situation? So the answer to all of it's no. So I think even if – look, if they exited preseason and, and they were, you know – left camp and they're getting ready for NC State and Parker White and Wozniak and Charlton are just hitting everything, booming punts. You know, they're almost perfect from everywhere on the field in terms of kicks. They would still be worried, the coaching staff, because they say, okay, that's great, but can they do it, you know, when it matters? And so those are some things that that I think are concerning. You know, if there's some good news to be had, it's that they're all capable. You know, you look at them and and you just – you don't see just a complete void to where there's nobody on the roster that's even capable of doing it. They, they don't have anybody with a leg that, that can punt it far and high and, and put some pressure on the other team to catch it. They don't have anybody who can hit a field goal from 50. No, they've got those things. But, but the question is just can they do it in game situations? Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, we were watching, I think it was Parker White when they were kicking from about 30-something yards and, we we just looked at each other and were like, dang, that you know that ball was high. Um, so I, I think a lot of times you see kickers that have accuracy um, from short distance, and it's it's sort of that low line drive at times, which can be uh, susceptible to being blocked and stuff like that. So, uh, like you said, not not really the case or a worry with these guys. They they both you know they all have big legs, so it, it's just going to be about pressure and and execution you know when it really matters um so, so that'll be something I, I think we have to watch throughout the year and i'll be curious to see how it how it affects Muschamp's decision making too you know uh, last year he was very very confident even in fourth and short situations in trotting elliot fry out there because he wanted to get the the near guaranteed you know three points i, I think this year maybe that that plays into that decision making as well so uh that that'll be just another storyline to watch uh punt, punt return that you know that's an open job as well um you know i, I guess uh, on monday night we saw chris lamonds rashad fenton and shy smith out there you know lamonds had a good finish in that category last season um had a big return in the bowl game but chris i i kind of i, I kind of look at the secondary depth and the concerns there especially with the injuries piling up I don't think you want to lose Chris Lamonts on punt return but I also don't or Rashad Fenton for that matter um you know but hey at the same time you're talking about a Shy Smith or Jamias Williams putting a freshman out there game one I I personally tend to think maybe you put Lamonts out there to start the year but then maybe you ease in a Shy Smith uh, 
that that's just my personal feeling. My prediction would be maybe Lamonz is out there first, but then Shy ultimately takes over that job at at some point. But uh, you know, that's another position that that could go any number of ways, I guess. F, I'm sure would love if Shy Smith could win it, or or someone other than Lamonz and Fenton. But that is a key. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, why why trot a starter out there? Why play starters on special teams? Well, what's important? And and for a team that doesn't have a lot of depth like South Carolina or, or maybe a lot of guys that are proven or they feel good about who can return punts or kicks, I mean, you, you sort of – you still got to do it. It's still a necessary play in football, and it's a necessary one to be good at. We, we saw South Carolina go through some some punt return struggles last season as far as – you know, just trying to find a guy who could do it, having some some decisions that weren't ideal, having some some ball security issues. So, um, those are the types of things when you get in close games that they can win or lose you a game. And so, I think it's it's them, you know, trying to put the best guy out there. But I'm with you. I mean, I think if if you if you can get shy into some situations, say you can get up on a team or two, and you're not in a close fourth quarter game, and you say. You know, we feel good enough to, to trot shy out there and let him try it. You know, I'd, it'd be tough to stick him out there in game one, first punt, and, and have him go do it. Is it possible? I suppose so. But it, it gives you a little bit more consternation as a coach. You always like to sort of err on the side of experience. But that secondary depth is is certainly something that they're going to have to monitor. Yeah, and I, you know what? I'm And I'm one of these guys who normally – like, I, I don't – I don't buy that argument at all about you know why you know why would you put a why would you put a starter on special teams I I, I think when it's a starter potentially like a Shy Smith or you know or even a, a Debo Samuel who returned some kicks and punts last year um, and Debo may may have the job you know as kickoff returner this year I, I think when you're talking about offensive skill guys you, I mean you spend your entire you spend your entire week game planning offensively to put the football in these guys' hands. So, you know, it, like it's 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 like another opportunity. It's a free opportunity most of the times to get the guy to get the ball in Debo or Shy Smith or whoever's hands. So, you know, I, I think uh, you know with Lamonts or Fenton, you're talking about defensive guys who yeah can be dynamic with the ball in their hands, but that you're so thin over there. You know, I, I think that crosses your mind. But, I mean, special teams is so important. Like, it gets overlooked, I think, sometimes by fans, but it's so important. Like, you you know, you got an opportunity to get the ball in a playmaker's hands, possibly in space. The, the entire point of the spread offense is to get the ball to your playmakers in space. So, um, you know, to, to me, that that's, that's an advantage is to be able to put those guys back there. So, I, I think, like you said, ultimately – um, you know, do you want to put Shy Smith out there game one? It, do you want do you want the first thing that Shy Smith does in a Gamecock uniform to be catching a punt at Bank of America Stadium? Uh, pro- probably not. Um, that, that's tough. But do you ultimately want to maybe get the football in that guy's hands? You know, I, absolutely, I think so. So that, that that'll be another position to watch. Um, all right, let's talk. I guess Chris, a little defense. We haven't really hit much of it. Um, some guys that stood out to you, some guys that stood out to me. I'll I'll maybe go I'll give one veteran and one newcomer um 
veteran would be Bryson Allen Williams, who I, I think we've been hearing a lot about. Um, I've heard he's had a really good camp. Uh, you sort of got to sort of at least see how they're going to use him. Um, I, I think he's going to be coming off the edge a lot, particularly when they're in nickel. That that was sort of the uh, a question I had. It was how exactly is he going to be used? It seemed like when they were in nickel, he's more of a buck, extra rusher type. When they're in the 4-3, sort of traditional against, you know, two back or two tight ends, then he's more of that Sam backer where uh, you've got, you know, him him on the field, obviously with Sky Moore and uh, T.J. Bronson. So I, I'll go with him as the veteran. Uh, newcomer on defense, um, and I know you agreed because we talked about him, uh, but, but Aaron Sterling, you know, this is a guy that I don't know Chris necessarily – how ready he is to hold up against the run on a play-by-play basis. Um, he's not like your traditional, traditionally shaped defensive end, but this guy just has a knack for getting to the passer. Um, he, he, this guy had six sacks in a game one time in high school. Like I don't, I don't care what level you're playing at. You get six sacks in one freaking football game. Like that's. Like like you you doing some good things you're doing something right so the need for pass rush I say third you know third and long third and passing situations Aaron Sterling's gonna help this football team a lot so so there's my two guys uh, Chris what what maybe two guys otherwise from those two caught your eye on uh, on Monday night yeah I'd actually go ahead and pick two uh, two veterans two returners Taylor Stallworth was one for me and. You, know, you probably recall that Lance Thompson, the defensive line coach, you know, singled him out this preseason and said that that was their – that was really their one proven, bona fide SEC, really good SEC football player up front. And and that's alarming, but, you know, it's, it's also, I think, reality. And that doesn't take anything away from Taylor. He is a good player. He's strong. Uh, he's more in shape than he was last season. Not to say he was out of shape last season, but he's – you know, he's reshaped his body, he's dropped some weight, um, and, and he's gotten himself into better conditioning to where I think he'll be able to, you know, potentially play more snaps this year if needed. He's a really strong guy. You know, watching him in their their one-on-one blocking drills, really good at using his hands, defeating blocks, playing with really good leverage because he's, he's a shorter guy, so it's naturally easy for him to do that. The other guy that stood out to me was Rashad Fenton. Um, he was – he had really, really good coverage – in the scrimmage situations, I thought last night, whether it's down by the red zone or, you know, one-on-one situations or when they went full team, he had a couple of pass breakups on balls that were intended for Debo Samuel. As we know, Debo, really good, even though he's not a, you know, 6'4", 6'5", receiver, really good with the ball in the air, really good at tracking it, making tough catches, contested. And I thought Fenton stuck right with him. He can really run um, and and did a good job of knocking it away. It it actually brought to mind – you know, there was that Athlon article with the SEC anonymous coaches recently, and right. Rashad right. Fenton was one that they singled out. And, and one of the coaches called him a millionaire walking if he can put it together. And, and I think you can sort of see why based on some of the athletic traits that he's flashed so far. But with him being out at corner this year as opposed to a nickel, you know, I think he'll have more of an opportunity to go try to make some one-on-one plays and be be called on to blanket some really good receivers. So he stood out last night as well, I thought. Yeah, and in that same light, I, I think um, another thing for maybe that 
the not so positive side that stood out to me with the secondary is that those injuries and not that it really should be a surprise by any means but it just sort of struck me when we were watching that second team uh you know defensive backfield out there um you know the injuries to obviously Jalen Dickerson who's out for the year at safety uh Steven Montak has been banged up Taven Jackson's banged up right now. Taven, a guy I think is going to play a lot as a true freshman if he can get healthy. Uh, Montac, obviously sort of your Swiss Army knife. He can play any position in the secondary. Uh, the absence of those two guys sort of just was glaring to me. Um, you had you know a walk-on at, at safety and, uh, and Javon Charleston, who was out there with the second team. Uh, Caleb Chalmers and, and Corey Banks at cornerback and Banks is a guy still transitioning I think he's a good athlete I think he's a great athlete but still transitioning from wide receiver to cornerback so you know I think very very key uh, heading forward for them to try to get you know a Taven Jackson to try to get uh, you know a Steven Montak back healthy and, and, and the defense as a whole man I, I think we all know this there there wasn't much depth coming in but I think some of those positions you start to feel a little bit better. I, I think Sherrod Green at linebacker, um, Eldridge Thompson at linebacker, and, and the fact that Bryson Allen Williams can sort of do so many things and you can use him in different spots, you know, that I feel a little bit better probably about their depth at linebacker than I did coming in. Um, you know, defensive line sort of is what it is, but uh, I think that secondary depth is something that's being tested, and you don't you don't want it to be tested already. You know, because you know, you know, you're going to get tested during the season. So uh, here we are, less than two weeks till kickoff, and that that's sort of a, a bit of a concern to me because I, I think they're starting, you know, four starting five. Uh, that you know, they're in pretty solid shape. Yeah, I mean, depth a huge concern, um, and and I think you're right. You make a good point about the linebackers that they got a couple guys there as backups that they could put in a game and feel good about but but the, the second part about it is they haven't done it you know they haven't played yet haven't taken a snap ever I think the feeling better about it goes back to the fact that those guys I think sort of are what they thought they could be during recruiting meaning that you know Will Muschamp's talked about it a lot he says sometimes you sign a guy and you think he's going to make x contribution and he's not ready or uh you, you get sort of a surprise in a guy I, th- I think they've been a little bit surprised by Aaron Sterling I mean they signed him they really liked him thought he'd be a good player I think they've been a little bit surprised by how ready he's looked um you know but Sherrod- Eldridge it took him a little bit longer I think just to sort of adjust but he's done a good job he's very athletic Sherrod Green looks like a smart instinctual football player who can move and so, aside from the inexperience, I think athletically they can feel okay about those guys. Still wouldn't be ideal to play them a ton just because they're newcomers, um, but they have some options there. And if they can get healthy in the secondary, I think athletically they'll have more options there than last season too, but but that health is a key. And then, of course, just the defensive line. I mean, they, they have to show some improvement playing the run and, and rushing the passer, and maybe they can make some strides – albeit however marginal it may be, uh, in those categories. I guess uh, that that about does it on defense for now. I'm, I'm trying to think of you know what we haven't hit from the scrimmage. We, we haven't really talked to offensive line much, Chris. Um, again, you know, seems like – I think we said this last podcast, man. Seem, seems like for the most part, um, you know, they're, they're still experimenting. They, they still want guys to earn positions, but for the most part – um, 
I think Eric Wolford has a decent idea of who's going to play each spot, sort of still ironing out who would go in if if a certain guy went down. Uh, you know, we had reported that DJ Park would, would sort of be the next man up at a number of positions, and I think we saw that sort of play out um, on Monday night because Park played pretty much, uh, I think, multiple guard and tackle spots. Uh, he even got in there at left tackle, which is something we didn't expect. Um but, yeah, I, I think that Malik Young, Dennis Daly, left tackle sort of competition is still ongoing, even though even though it was mentioned that, you know, Malik Young would probably be the starter. I, I think Daly's still making a push there. He's he's done some good things there. Um, but but it, to me, if I'm going to sum up the offensive line at this point, it, it's sort of like um, nothing we saw Monday, nothing we're going to hear, um, nothing – that's going to be said is really going to mean a whole lot to me it's just going to be about that first test uh you know on the field nc state um what improvements can we notice from last year uh, what sort of impact has wolford been able to make in a small period of time because because I, I mean we've, we've talked about it multiple times man they're they're gonna have a real test <laughs> to start the year so the, the practice stuff against the carolina defensive line that also is a question mark um just, just don't know how much you can take from that at this point. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that and and that's the part that's been sort of difficult, even in our coverage. I'll admit is that, you know, that's what fans want to know about. They want to know, okay, D line and O line, and we can tell them about some individual progress and, you know, how how we think things are look look what we've heard moves things like that. But it's still tough because they're still going against each other. And so you made a great point that both units still have significant questions and so it it becomes a situation where you're like well you know is is one still about the same and one's gotten better are they both not good are they both improved it's just tough to gauge and so i think we'll like you said we'll have a, a a much better answer after the nc state game on that um i think there are some reasons to think that things will be better to some degree Number one, I mean, it just it just wasn't – no part of it was good last season. I mean, what, what was it, 41 sacks. Now, some of them were on the quarterback. They had so much inexperience. They had injuries. Two guys were out. Corey Helms was hurt. Allen Knott was weaker because he couldn't lift. We, we discussed all those things. So, none of those things are in place. As of now, they're healthy. You know, they're stronger. Uh, they're moving around a little better. So there, there have been some positive things, but you know the experience around them is better. But it's still tough to project. Okay, how much better can they be? I don't think anybody expects to go from a, a sort of worst to first situation, so to speak. Uh, but I think it's it's, right. it's fair to expect some improvement. And so that's just the question: is is how much better can they look? And I think they'll build some things into their offensive play calling to try to mask any deficiencies they feel like they have. But but for me, left tackle is still that biggest question. And I tell you, for for a position that Wolford said that he thinks Malik Young is going to start, uh, Dennis Daly's still taking an awful lot of first-team reps there. Yeah. 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 Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Um, I, I think that's still that's still worth tracking, I think, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, cool. So less uh, less than two weeks till game time. South Carolina, I think, will sort of officially start working on NC State midweek uh, this week. So uh, that'll be interesting to see the attention turn to that. Uh, next practice availability 
will be Friday, then a, a, a availability on Saturday as well, and we will have complete coverage of that on uh, GamecockCentral.com. Um, and then, hey, it'll be it'll be game week, so it'll be here before we know it. Uh, Chris, you, you got any closing thoughts, man? I guess we can wrap this sucker up again. Yeah, you know, I, I'm just, and I think we talked about this. This is one of the previous ones. I'm I'm ready to to start previewing game coverage. I mean, uh, ready to start diving into some of these matchups now that that camp's really over, um, and and try to see you know how South Carolina is going to match up. Still, a lot of unknowns going into this game, for, both for NC State and South Carolina. So, I think it makes it a really really uh, intriguing matchup and I don't think there were any gigantic surprises that we were able to gather from preseason camp but which not entirely unsurprising in itself uh, but I think it was an interesting camp and, and we were able to glean some things from it um, but, I, but I'm ready to sort of turn the page and start checking out our game coverage for the NC State opener it'll be, it'll be fun I can promise you that South Carolina has uh, Wednesday off from practice, uh, completely off their feet, and then they actually start uh, school again, start the semester on Thursday, and then uh, head into practice on Friday and Saturday, which we'll have coverage from. Like I said, want to remind everyone out there to uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, to obviously check us out on Gamecock Central for all of your Gamecock Central coverage, and you can uh, try that for free right now with the promo code FREEUT, that's capital F-R-E-E-U-T, and get complete premium membership and uh, coverage and all that good stuff uh, from now until the Tennessee game, absolutely free. If you cancel between now and then, you will not be charged at all. Free trial. So check that out with the promo code FREEUT for Chris Clark. I'm Wes Mitchell. This has been the latest edition of the Gamecock Central Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.